Now, normally on Sunday mornings, we're going through the Gospel of St. Mark, and we're going to recommence uh, that series after the mission with Roger Carswell, which will soon be upon us. So all I'm doing uh, these Sunday mornings leading up to the mission is preparing uh, the way uh, by just reminding ourselves of what the gospel is, the good news about Jesus Christ. And even though the mission is an excellent opportunity uh, to bring people who've never heard the gospel before uh, to hear an excellent evangelist uh, proclaim Jesus Christ, in a way, is it not a mission every Sunday morning as we're hearing about what Jesus Christ has done for us. And my text this morning is taken from the chapter that was read, and these are very well-known words, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I know them better in the old authorised version. Come unto me, all ye who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One of the freest invitations in the whole of the Bible to come to Jesus Christ. And my burden this morning is this. I wonder whether you think of the gospel just as something that the person outside needs to hear and has to come into church, maybe during a mission, to hear about Jesus Christ. Now, that's a good thing. That's very good. But have you ever thought of the gospel as something you need to hear, as something I need? Not just the other person, the unbeliever, but the gospel never stops becoming relevant. It's something for me. And I don't know most of you here this morning really well. I don't know where you stand before God. You may say you're a Christian and maybe you're not a Christian. Well, you need to hear the gospel. You may say, I'm not a Christian, but I'm interested in finding out about Christianity. Well, you definitely need to hear the gospel. And maybe you are a genuine Christian and you've been a Christian for so many years, maybe decades, that you're thinking the gospel isn't really for me. My friend, this gospel is for every one of us. And do you know want to know why? Look at the verse. What makes the gospel relevant? Who is it addressed to? All you who labor and are heavy laden. Now, what does that mean? To labor means to work under a burden. Uh, think of workload. Um, what's your workload like? Do you know what it means to be weighed down by a load? Now, I used to be a school teacher, and I can empathize with those of you who are teachers here this morning. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about teaching. <laughs> when you put teachers together, even former teachers, they always go on to talk about teaching, don't they? No, no. The burden, the burden. Now, if you haven't come in here this morning bearing a load, we're probably not living on the same planet. <laughs> Isn't it part of living in this world 
that we're all weighed down by something. Isn't that right? Now, if this gospel is an invitation to those who are burdened, then isn't it relevant to everybody here? Now, just in case you're saying to me, Pastor, I'm not burdened. Let me give you a few examples, and maybe you can see yourself in one of these. Maybe there is something in the past that is still weighing you down. Uh, there's a hymn which talks about the fretting ghosts of vain regrets. Has anybody here this morning got vain regrets? It's distracting you. It's weighing heavily upon you. It doesn't matter what that event may be. It might be something that you did wrong. It might be something that was done to you and you just haven't got over it. And it's eating into your soul like a cancer. Vain regrets. That's a horrible burden to bear. I know people who've never got over something that has happened to them in their past. They've stopped living like Queen Victoria in the 19th century after she lost Albert. She never got over it, did she? Vain regrets. But then, there can be the opposite of that. Fear of the future. Are you afraid as you're contemplating the future? Maybe the future of our country. Apparently, there are many people at this moment who are just fearful to what may happen to our country. That's a burden. Many young people are afraid of what climate change might be causing to our world. The large protests across the world yesterday. Fear of the future. The uncertainty of the future. What may happen gets to you, especially in the middle of the night. Things are worse, aren't they? In the midnight hour. What about present concerns? Uh, when we have communion, I read the sick list. <laughs> there are some here who are on it. It's a burden, isn't it? If you've got a chronic condition, it wears you down. I, I cannot empathise with some of you because I don't know what it's like to have a chronic condition. Uh, according to uh, psychologists, there is the M word. Do you know what that is? The M word? People are ashamed to talk about it, but it's weighing them down. Money. Money. That can be a burden. That can keep you up in the middle of the night. Burdens. Burdens. I don't need to go through all of these, do I? If you're living in this world... You're going to be burdened. And you know what? That's not the worst of it. I, I had a really good history teacher when I was in secondary school. Uh, and she was preparing us to do O-levels. That shows how old I am. They were O-levels, not GCSEs. And you know what she said? She said, you will be facing an exam, an external exam, and it'll be quite a big thing. But... I'll never forget this. I wasn't a Christian at the time. This is what she said. There's another exam which is more important. Would you be allowed to say that today? There's another exam, she said, which is far more important. And that's when we have to stand before God as judge. 
Have you ever been burdened about that, I wonder? There is a day coming when we will leave behind all of our problems. And only one thing will matter. And that is my relationship to God. And you know what? Whatever problems you are suffering from at this moment, they are limited. They are in this world of time. I know a chronic condition will last for the rest of your life, but one day it'll come to an end. But my friends, there is an eternity ahead of us. And one day we are all headed for that. And the Bible says we are appointed once to die and after that the judgment. Now that's the one cataclysmic event that is facing this world. We're not sure about climate change, are we? We don't know if it's man-made or if it's a natural uh, change. But there is one event which we've all got to be prepared for. Are you ready? Have you got the burden? I'm not right with God. I'm unclean spiritually. I'm not ready to die. Even though I've got other problems, this is weighing me down. Um, have you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? I've got a copy here. Don't worry, I'm not going to read it all. <laughs> Those of you who come here regularly know it's my favourite book after the Bible. Apparently, this is the most read book in the world after the Bible. There's something like that. The most translated book. The main character in this is called Christian. He isn't Christian at the start. Do you know what he's like at the beginning of the book? He's carrying a burden. Uh, I, I was going backpacking in the holidays to the Kern Gums, and I was carrying a big rucksack. And that's what poor Christian is like at the beginning of Pilgrim's Progress. He's carrying a load, and it's weighing him down. And do you know what the load is? The load of fearing judgments, fearing death, fearing having to stand before a holy God, and he doesn't know what to do about it. Oh, my friend, is that you this morning? And you know what he does? His friends are trying to make him forget about these things. And do you know what he does? He puts his fingers in his ears, and he runs away and says, eternal life, eternal life, I must have eternal life. You've come to the right place this morning if you want to have eternal life. So this gospel is relevant to every one of us. Don't you want eternal life? Whatever your problems now, don't you want after death to be in heaven forever? Secondly, what are we to do with our burden? What are we to do? Listen to Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to listen as if you've never listened before. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Can I say what he doesn't say first? He doesn't say work. He says come. Why am I emphasizing that? I'm putting it like this because many people, like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, the first thing they try to do when they're aware that they've got a burden is they try to get it off themselves. And we call that justification by works. Now, I love theology. 
I love big theological words, and there's a big one for you, justification by works. And it simply means we try to justify ourselves, make ourselves right before God by what we do. And that's what poor Christian was trying to do. He was trying to get off uh, the burden himself, and he, he couldn't do it. The more he tried, the more entangled he got, the more way down he got. And Jesus is not saying, work. The Apostle Paul says in Romans, one of my favorite verses, Romans chapter 4, I think it's verse 4, to him that works not, but believes. Wonderful. He doesn't say work. It's going to sound contradictory now. Neither does he say, don't do anything. Did you notice that? He says, come. Some people, when they hear this gospel, and they know that it's not by works, they think then, well, I must just sit back and just wait for a blessing to come upon me. Are you doing that? I don't know, maybe some young people, are you thinking like that? I must just wait. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I travelled a lot uh, the last few years visiting our missionaries, and before going to visit some of our missionaries, I needed many, many injections, inoculations. And I had to go to the traveling clinic. That's what they call it. But I got the wrong end of the stick concerning the traveling clinic. I thought the word traveling clinic meant that the doctor was going to come to your house. They were going to travel there themselves and give you the injections there. I was horrified to learn that I still had to go myself to the doctor. You see, I'd got it the wrong way around. And maybe you're thinking of Jesus Christ, the great physician, doctor of the soul. You're thinking that he has to come to you in such a way that you just sit back and don't do anything. Oh, no. Just as I had to go to the surgery, you need to go to Jesus Christ. It's not a work. It's not a work. But I'm still doing something. Uh, what else? He doesn't say, come to church, does he? Now, church is a good place to be in. You've come to the right place. Uh, one evangelist who's very forthright, um, he used to say, if you want, to, don't put this into practice now, this is just his illustration. He said, if you want to get knocked over by a bus, stand in the middle of the road. And what he meant by that is this. If you want to be knocked over by the grace of Jesus Christ, come to church. Coming to church isn't the same as coming to Jesus Christ, but it's the best place to be. It's the best place to be because you can hear about what he's done. So if you're thinking of coming to church in the same way as coming to Jesus Christ, you haven't come far enough. He doesn't even say, come to the minister. He will sort of make you right. Oh no, I don't mind people coming to me and asking me questions about Jesus Christ. But I'm just a signpost pointing to him. Uh, I was um, on a holiday uh, in Israel uh, at uh, the end of July and... When people discovered that I was a minister, they called me the reverend. I, I didn't like it, the reverend. No, no, I, I'm just a normal person. I'm no one. It's my saviour who counts. 
Do you see that? Jesus says, don't work. Don't sit still. It's not about coming to church, even though it's a good thing to do. Come to me. Come to me. Now, if any of us was to say that, we would be viewed quite rightly as a very um, dogmatic and narrow-minded person and self-centered one of that. But if Jesus is saying, come to me, he's got every right to say it, doesn't he? Using the analogy of the doctor again. Um, there were pastors in the 19th century who, they, they did law, they did medicine and everything. And so if people in a rural part of the country uh, had legal or medical problems, they would go and see their pastor. And their pastor wouldn't just give them spiritual help, they would help them legally and medically. I think J.C. Ryle was a doctor as well as a pastor in that sense. My friend, please don't come to me if you've got a medical problem. I haven't got any qualifications. Jesus Christ is most qualified. When he says, come to me, who is the me? This is God speaking. The one who rules the universe, that's who Jesus Christ is. He's not a son of God. He's the son of God. God is Trinity. That means three persons. One God, three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the second person, the Son, became a man 2,000 years ago. Jesus is God-man. Not two persons. One person with two natures. Divine, human, not 50% divine, 50% human, 100% God, 100% man, one person. And this is the one who says, come to me. I can do what you can't, what the minister can't. I can take away your burden. Do, do you know what, my friend? We've got a burden-bearing saviour. Burden-bearing saviour. That's why he says, come to me. And what happens? Very quickly. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And listen to this. I will give you rest. Do you know what I love about Jesus Christ? I love the fact that he's a big saviour. I've got a book in my study. I'm not sure if I should get rid of it. Because it refers to Jesus Christ as a next door saviour. Like, just your buddy. Oh, oh, that's demeaning. He's a mighty saviour. He's mighty. And do you know what Jesus Christ is? Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you more theology here, is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And in the Old Testament, you had a priest, you had a prophet, you had a king. They were three different people. But in Jesus Christ, they're all combined. So you had Moses as a prophet, a teacher. You had David as a king. You had Elijah, say, um, uh, no, Elijah was a prophet. Uh, you had Aaron as a priest. But they're all combined in Jesus Christ. Now, this is what he does. He's a priest. What does the priest do? The priest 
sacrifices for our sins. And Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, the perfect man, he sacrificed for your sins and mine. Do you know what he did? He didn't just sacrifice for our sins. He became the sacrifice. I can't get my mind around that. My mind is a bit too finite. This is an infinite truth. And what happened on the cross was this. He bore the burden. Uh, There's a hymn which says, this is brilliant. He took all of our sins and our sorrows and made them his very own. He carried the burden to Calvary, that's the cross, and suffered and died alone. A burden-bearing saviour. So when I come to him, what I'm doing, in effect, is taking the load off my back and laying it on him. Have you done that? I lay my sins on Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. Do you know what happened in my holiday in Israel? I've never really stayed in hotels before. I'm not, I'm not experienced at staying in hotels And this is what I discovered. Maybe it's obvious to the rest of you. When you got luggage and you're staying in a hotel, you didn't have to carry the luggage yourself up to the room, especially if the rooms were up on the 10th floor. The porters would come. And in Israel, it it was great. The porters would take the luggage from the bus and would carry them all the way to your room. So you you didn't have to even... Touch your luggage. It was all done for you. And do you know what I was doing? I was doing it because I wasn't used to staying in hotels. I instinctively tried carrying the luggage up myself. And is there somebody here who's trying to do that with you alone? Your load of guilt, your load of sin, your load of sorrows. That's what you're used to. And you're trying to struggle with it yourself. Maybe you're trying to use Jesus as a help as well. But what you've got to do is let go and lay it on him. He's the porter and he will carry it all the way to Calvary. And you'll see it no more. Isn't that what happened to Christian eventually in Pilgrim's Progress? You know, I disagree with John Bunyan, the author of the book, because... Christian initially comes across Evangelist, the man with the good news, and Evangelist says to him, you're looking sad, what's wrong with you? And he says, oh, I've got this burden, I don't know what to do with it, I've tried getting it off myself, nothing is happening. And Evangelist points him to a light, and then points him to a gate. This is where I disagree with John Bunyan. Why didn't Evangelist point him to the cross straight away? Because it was later that Christian got to the cross. But I just want to read, and I know some of you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, but maybe this will get you to read it. This is what happened. This is what it means to cast your burden on Jesus Christ. Let let me just read. I'm only going to read a few words. Don't worry. He ran till he came at a place somewhat ascending and upon that place stood a cross and below it a grave and just as Christian came up with the cross his burden loosed 
from off his shoulders and fell from his back and began to tumble until it fell into the grave and I saw it no more. And then Bunyan writes a little poem. This is what Christian said. Thus, can anybody say this? Thus far did I come, laden with my sin, nor could anybody ease the grief that I was in till I came here to this cross. And this is what he says. Must here be the beginning of my bliss. Must here the burden fall from off my back. Must here the strings that bound it to me crack. Blessed cross, blessed grave, blessed rather be the man, the God-man, who was there put to shame for me. Oh, can you go to Jesus as your priest? I'm hoping we're going to have the new supplement ready soon because I really want to sing this Sankey hymn. Would you be free of your burden of sin? There's only one place. There's power in the blood. That blood that he shed on the cross. There's wonder-working power in the blood. Oh, I just want to help people. I'm coming to a conclusion. But there are some woods. I won't tell you where. I go jogging there quite a bit. And there's a slight incline. And it's for a mile. And you're quite tired by the time you get to the top. And somebody's put a bench there. A very simple bench. You don't care how simple a bench is if you're jogging and you're whacked. And they've written words on the bench. They've just scribbled them uh, in. Rest and be thankful. <laughs> it's only an old wooden plank. And the words are not done in a very beautiful way. But what a blessing. Rest and be thankful. And you know, if you're really tired after jogging, it's such, oh, it's such a blessing just to set yourself on that bench. Oh, I feel this morning, my words aren't beautiful words. The bench, as it were, is rough. The cross I'm preaching on is an old, rugged cross. But the words are rest and be thankful. And not only will Jesus Christ be your priest, what else does he say? He says, learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart. I'll be your prophet. I will teach you. How does he do that? Oh, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in his word. The Bible now becomes the roadmap of our soul. This world no longer confuses us. This guides us. This feeds our souls. Wonderful. And then he becomes our king. Take my yoke upon you. Oh, the yoke was what they tied the oxen to. It would have been a wooden thing. It would have been quite heavy. But Jesus is saying, my yoke isn't heavy. The yoke of those Pharisees, those religious leaders that bind you with extra scriptural rules, that's heavy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Haven't you, Christian, found that to be the case? Jesus Christ, prophet, priest, and king and what i want to urge every one of us here this morning especially if we've come to jesus with our burden of sin don't stop coming come every day and don't just bring your sin bring your sorrows bring your problems 
and leave them there. At thy foot I cast them and I leave them there. Aren't you glad that you've got a saviour? The gospel is for you. However many years you followed him. He's my burden-bearing saviour. If you ever come into my study in the manse, there's a piece of paper I've got on the mantelpiece. For some reason, I came across these words first, um, reading something by Brian May, the Queen guitarist of all people. I don't know how he got hold of them, but I've put them up now on my mantelpiece. Jesus, my Lord and Saviour, grant me the serenity, the peace, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. He's in control. And if you haven't come, are you, are you, still, trying, are you still trying to get that load of sin off your back yourself. Give up. Just come to Jesus Christ. As I'm getting older, I, I think I'm coming to the conclusion this world sucks outside of Jesus Christ. It sucks, doesn't it? Look at all the things that are happening to people. It's so wrong. But once you realise... What the problem is, I'm not right with God. Everything's out of sync. And he has done something in Jesus Christ to sort it out. And he bids me, whoever I am, however great my load, simply to come and to cast it on him. And the moment we do that, a new life begins, even in this world that sucks. Because we've got a saviour who certainly doesn't suck because he is the altogether lovely one and he will carry you through, through this veil of tears, across the river of death and into an eternity with himself in heaven. That doesn't suck, does it? That is something worth singing about and something worth telling others about and something worth enjoying you know i'm enjoying preaching jesus christ may we enjoy our christianity and may somebody here for the first time find rest for their souls in jesus christ amen